Hi, I'm Kira Brekurek. I'm Nicole Breeden. And you're listening to ProPrac, a podcast where we explore the professional practice of artists and hear their stories. Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening today. Today, we are joined in the studio with Anusha Kenny. Anusha Kenny is an independent arts writer and lawyer based in Melbourne. Her arts writing has been published by Discipline, Un Magazine, Art in Australia, Artlink, and The Age. Anusha currently works as a policy lawyer at the Sentencing Advisory Council. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Pleasure. So um, we'll start by jumping right in um, and asking, how did you get to where you are today? Okay, well, I currently work as a manager in criminal law policy, um, working for an organisation that conducts research about sentencing law. And as you mentioned, Uh, I also do some freelance arts writing very occasionally at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm the vice chair of Unprojects, which is an organisation that publishes Unmagazine, which is a contemporary arts magazine published in Melbourne. It has its own podcast as well. Yes, yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I came into these roles. Well, I did an arts degree, first of all, and got really interested in art history. And then I started working casually in the commercial gallery sector Mm. and through that I was really interested in arts writing and kind of practiced like writing the press releases and then started trying to get writing published and so um, just started writing for things like Unmagazine and other sort of local publications and I think my first curatorial project was um, through Mudfest at Melbourne University, which is like this, I don't know if it's still going on, but it's like this arts festival. And I did a, I organised a project that was that platform artist group, um, which was an artist run space in the subway in Flinders Street. Mm -hmm. And following on from that, I had a few other opportunities like doing the Gertrude and Art in Australia Emerging Writers Program, where um, I was mentored by Zara Stanhope and that was a really Mm. big opportunity to kind of improve my arts writing and Mm. um, get my work published in uh, Art in Australia, which was really exciting. And then I did the Next Wave Emerging Emerging Curators Program and a couple of other curatorial projects. But alongside that, I was doing my law degree. And when I finished my law degree, that was in 2012, and I started working full-time in mm. the law. So I, my first job was as a judge's associate, and then I got the job working in um, legal policy. And so while I've been working full-time, I've just been trying to maintain an arts writing practice. And early on, I did a couple of little curatorial things with other people, but it's become more manageable to do like freelance arts writing that I can fit in around, um, around my full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I've really just been trying to find a way to balance my interests. Um, and I guess there's also been practical reasons to how I've come to the kind of balance that I've got such as like the financial security of having a full-time role whereas I didn't really feel that I would be able to sustain myself financially through arts writing Mm. um and so yeah it's just been trying to strike a balance that feels like it's 
financially viable viable and also like I have enough energy to be able to deliver on the things I have to deliver on and that's an ongoing process. Mm -hmm. And have you found um, with these two for what could seem as very opposing roles in the world, in the arts and in law, have you found that um, there has been moments where um, the processes of thinking or um, there's topics or situations that have crossed over um, between the two in terms of using um, what um, you are thinking about in the arts into the um, your role as within law or vice versa in terms of that influencing your writing about the arts? Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like the kind of critical thinking skills that I developed through um, being involved in curating and arts writing really made me think more critically about the law and um, enabled me to, well, has that's really driven my interest in getting into law reform and thinking about how the law could improve and change rather than it being kind of a lawyer who applies mm. the law in a really strict way. So um, I think it's made me a more critical thinker. Mm-hmm. And a, a common theme for me has been writing like I'm really passionate about writing about different things and so law is one thing that I write about and arts is another thing but the fundamental skills are about communicating ideas in the written form and um and yeah analysis and all of those kinds of things are are common um yeah and I think um there's skills from my legal work that have has made me a better viewer of art because Mm. it's kind of, it is a completely different lens, but the law kind of permeates everything, a lot of stuff in life and um, looking at different practices that have like a a social or political dimension, I feel quite, I feel quite confident like in being able to assess or engage with those artworks. And I guess my writing practice, I've definitely gravitated towards writing about um, exhibitions and artists who kind of engage in social commentary and even in the law mm. because I feel like okay I know that and I can bring um, my knowledge of that to discussion of their practice but on the flip side as I've become more entrenched in uh, legal work I've kind of also find it hard to like stay abreast of a lot of the critical thinking and conversations that happen in the art world that sure. um Uh, you know that's a whole thing and you really need to stay on top of it and there's all this critical theory and sometimes I'm like oh my god I can't like I can't know it all so I've tried to bring things together a little bit so I'm kind of like trying to um, apply the knowledge that I confidently have to discussion about Mm -hmm. um, yeah Yeah. Um, was there uh, was there kind of any moment in your sort of uh, you know when you were younger that that really led you or pushed you into kind of like going into the arts like was there any kind of like you know moment like how did you sort of end up pursuing that as a sort of interest well yeah it's it was kind of um out of the blue in that like when I was younger I didn't show any aptitude for art really at all (laughs) in high school and um I didn't really have any family who were involved in the arts or anything like that. Um, But I think what really got me interested in it was taking a subject in 
an art history subject um, at Melbourne Uni. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was like, it was about modern art and it was taught by Anthony White. And um, that was really, really interesting. And then I did another subject taught by Charles Green, who's also an artist. And yeah, there was one subject that was like, um, art since 1980 and then I did art since 1990 and I was mm. like wow this is so interesting um and yeah it just kind of I just found it really really fascinating and I always kind of felt like art was a bit impenetrable to me but the writing was a way to engage with it and engage with mm. the ideas so I haven't had a really pure relationship with art to be honest it's really been mediated through history and um, art writing and for, like kind of engaging with the critical theory aspects rather than like I didn't really have any experience of the sublime where I'd go into a gallery and be like wow like I'm so moved by this I wasn't really at that place but now I kind of feel that more mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I sort of needed it explained to me a mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah that's really interesting. Was there a point when you first started submitting your writing um, to Unmagazine and other publications um, was there any, did you ever have any apprehension about it or was there any kind of, um, mentoring that came through that process that gave you confidence in, um, how to write about art and how to write about, um, contemporary practice that is happening within the city that you live mm-hmm. rather than often, I guess, um, before that, before that I was aware of those publications when I was younger, all I was reading is kind of these big art history yeah. books and like contemporary writing uh, besides like seeing a kind of art forum from time to time I wasn't engaging with that that much so did you have any kind of knowledge of these other publications or um, did you have a mentorship in terms of learning how to write in a, um, mm. a style or how to approach it? Um, that's a good question I think thinking back the first sort of opportunities I had to write about art were uh, writing, working for a commercial gallery and writing the press releases. Mm. And that sort of gave me a little bit of confidence in writing about artists when I hadn't read anything about their work before. And then at that time, there was a public, I think it's still around called VoiceWorks, which Mm -hmm. publishes people who are under 25, I think. And I... um, pitched some articles when I was like super junior and hadn't really written anything else about art to them and got some initial feedback and I think it kind of just snowballed like once you've published a couple of things then um then people are more likely to give you the opportunity to Mm -hmm. publish somewhere else and I just kind of took every opportunity or every publication that I could find um I would try and like get something submit something to them and I did lots of random things. Like I wrote reviews about films for this website where like the exchange was that I'd get to see the free film and I did heaps of <laughs> like things just to sort of get more confident in mm-hmm. writing. Um, and yeah, with Unmagazine, they still have this where when you um, submit something, you can like basically request to have someone mentor you Um and so I did that every time that I wrote for them because you just have another opportunity to get a bit mm. more feedback. And I guess the other thing that was good was at the time I had peers who were also getting into arts writing and we'd often 
um, give each other feedback and support and um, yeah so that was really useful having trusted readers mm. people who I could show like a really rough draft to and um, get feedback about things that that helped but yeah. there were lots of times where I got really harsh feedback from um, like galleries or if I'd written a, a catalogue essay or something there were moments where it was bad and <laughs> I, so I came a long way which was yeah that was all useful yeah experiences yeah I think you know it's a given when you're um, starting out at anything no matter what age it is that there will be times where you, you know you won't you won't hit the targets every time yeah <laughs> and like nor should you yeah exactly but, um yeah it's how to navigate those without with being able to learn from those experiences rather than them crushing you or kind of putting you Mm. Um, making you feel like you shouldn't do it. So speaking about some of those growth opportunities, <laughs> are there um, what are the what are some of the biggest challenges or things that you've needed to overcome to kind of continuing like continue your practice as a writer? Um, well, on a day to day level, particularly at the moment, one of the biggest challenges is finding adequate time to be able to. Um, write properly and edit and also improve my writing. Like I feel that at the moment trying to fit in arts writing can often just be about meeting a deadline, like rushing to a deadline, handing in something where I'm like, okay, it's fine, like it's okay. Um, but, yeah, it. in order to improve, I'd like to be able to manage my time and push myself a bit more to improve and grow as a writer rather than just be handing in mm-hmm. um, various things. Um, yeah, it is a challenging thing for, you know, um, writers and artists alike to find to find that time to um, have career development as long, you know, because it always does feel like you're just always punching through that next deadline and it's like, well, when when do I get better? Like, when do I have time to, to get better as an artist? And I'm finding it more challenging, you know, even more challenging as I'm getting, like, more, you know, mature in my practice that it's like, you know, I'm trying to, trying to like, put food on the table but then also you know develop your practice and and show you know so it's like how do you kind of juggle all those things all together so yeah I mean it's probably happening what like by Mm. doing that you're improving but I guess yeah sometimes it can feel like you're just running to deadlines and not having time to really reflect um yeah and I guess like I, I think one of the challenges is being proactive in my writing and in my practice rather than just being reactive and just going, okay, I'll write. If someone says, hey, can you like review this show because it's got a lore angle, mm. I'll be like, okay, that's an easy thing for me to do and it's kind of like tick, but I could do that forever and not think, well, what is more of a challenge for me? Um and what's something bigger or more substantial that I can try and write rather than like lots of little, little things um, over a long period of time. Mm. Um, Yeah, and I guess as I mentioned before, another challenge is keeping abreast of the discourse of the art world, Mm -hmm. which I feel it's, yeah, it's it's something that requires a lot of um, energy and effort to be able to keep reading and keep up-to-date with Mm. developments Mm -hmm. in um, theory and because I have a lot of that to do in my day job as well, it can be 
difficult. And and I think that affects my confidence because I kind of think I don't want to just wade out into writing about someone that I don't really understand or miss something really obvious and people mm. will be like, oh, my God, you know, don't you realise that <laughs> this is this the whole point of this artwork and, and you sort of miss it, which, yeah, would be it's, – it can be a bit prohibitive. But then I'm like, well, you know. But also just not everyone's up to date with the reading Yeah, you well. can't be – you, can, you really can't be and unless not, not that is your full-time facet as yeah, well. You know, absolutely. like it's all fragmented anyway. Like you can be on top of whatever's happening in the arts over here but not yeah, what's happening whole, over here. It's yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, really true. whole mm. different subsets. Of... I think it's also like even if you're not maybe on top of it in one certain area, you do have a level of expertise in another area that you can still bring in and have another point of view and read into it. Um, not dismissing those other things, but also it just means there's just another point of view, which is just as valuable. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, the most um, up-to-date, you know, uh, version. Theoretical. Yeah, yeah. 3.0 version. It could, it's not saying that yours, your version isn't. It's just coming from a no, different perspective. No, it definitely isn't. <laughs> <laughs> you can safely say that. But, yeah, that's true. I think that's um, a good way to approach it. Yeah. Um. Another sort of challenge I wanted to talk about was, I guess, some of the financial barriers of participating in the art world. I think that definitely has influenced how I've um, structured my practice. And yeah, I mean, I guess, um, as I mentioned before, like I, I couldn't really foresee there being a financially viable way of being an arts writer Um full time and there was such a lot of risk involved in that and I guess also playing into it is like my family background and um I like don't come from stacks of I mean I know I I don't want to overemphasize it but Mm. I come from um a background where my mum was a single mum and I sort of knew like I've got a deep sense of needing to have my own financial Mm -hmm. stuff sorted and I guess one of the things that I've reflected upon um, about the art world is that sometimes taking risks and taking opportunities it can be quite difficult um, if you don't have like a a cushion or a kind of financial safety net Absolutely. and so that's been something that's been hard because like it's made me think you know Perhaps if I did have more of that cushion there, I would have taken, um, been able to do bigger projects or taken more risks. But I've kind of thought I'm just the precariousness of the fi- the financial life of living on contracts and grants um, without like knowing that, you know, if it all falls apart, you can sort of move back in with your parents. Like that hasn't yeah. been an option for me. So yeah. it sort of meant that I've taken a kind of, fiscally conservative approach to how I um, structured mm, my yeah. practice. Mm. I think people don't often talk about how, um, you know, opportunity and risk are, you know, big exciting things and, you know, we kind of fr- thrive on those as as artists um, and working in the arts. But, you know, being able to kind of jump at those opportunities often is a, is a really intense kind of like it's a it's a position of privilege to be able to just run into that stuff mm. um, without really considering the financial implica- implications if it doesn't sort of work out. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And also the relationships that you need for those things to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's 
um, it could just not just be your family but your um, yeah other personal relationships within and that could take a toll on that um, and that you need to For be sure. aware yeah 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 so with these things in mind um, what have been some of your biggest resources that have assisted your practice well uh, some of the mentors that I've had have been really generous like when I did the Gertrude and art in Australia emerging writers program (laughs) Uh, Zara Stanhope was my mentor and she's currently the curator at the Queensland Art Gallery um, and Gallery of Modern Art and Zara was really really generous with her time and really went above and beyond to um, show me different things and introduce me to different people Mm. and give me lots of generous feedback about drafts and my writing Mm. so that really helped um, me gain confidence to pitch my writing at a higher level and just really um, improved the quality of my work a lot. How Um, long was that mentorship for? Well I think formally it was uh, two pieces of writing so it was um, a catalogue essay for a Gertrude studio show and then a review in Art in Australia and I think that was it was probably all done formally in under a year, but we stayed in contact and the relationship continues. So mm. um, that was, yeah, really great. And I worked with Zara when I did um, a, I did some work for Unprojects a few years ago, coordinating a um, an exhibition that they did and uh, working with Zara, editing a publication about artist writing and... Yeah, that was, they were all really good experiences. Mm. Um, also, some other editors that I've worked with have been really, um, really useful and provided uh, really skillful feedback, including Helen Hughes, who's one of the editors of Discipline. Yeah. Um, I wrote an essay for them and her she's just such a talented writer as well as an editor. And I think they're really different skills and... She's brilliant in terms of the way that she can um, give feedback and take an essay to the next the next yeah. level. Um, yeah, as I said, Un Magazine and other publications like that that provide opportunities for people um, to cut their teeth a bit um, have been that's been a really great resource as well as being able to read other local um, writers uh, and artists. Um, work in publications like that including online and in other forums and some of the um, writers that I really have learnt from and I would consider a resource um, are Helen as well as Nick Crogan who's another editor of Discipline and I also like really like reading artists writing because I think that yeah some artists are just many artists are very um adept at expressing uh, things about art in a really like clear and perhaps less um, like art history jargon way. Mm. Um, and some of those people are, that I really like reading are Lisa Radford, um, Clementine Edwards, Anastasia Close, I think writes really, really well. Um, and Ash Kilmartin, she's written some really um, great like essays. And so those are pieces that have really stayed with me and I sometimes like go back and read them. Um, Yeah. And another 
resource or sort of mentor is a barrister I worked for in a legal capacity. His name's Bill Gillies. And um, he is on the board of UN projects as well and also on the West Space board. Mm. And he's a barrister who sort of does like commercial and lots of different um, kinds of law. But he's really generous with his time in terms of his art engagement. And, yeah, I think he's been um, someone that I really look up to in the way that he is able to use the skills that he has in a practical way to benefit the arts community and really support artists. Um, And he's also been really generous and supportive of me as well. Mm. Fantastic. It's... Um, it's so amazing how certain relationships can be so formative to how you um, shape your practice or what you end up producing and those friendships like they start off maybe as kind of networking or formal relationships and they build into these friendships that then go back into your practice and they're kind of these you know um, weaving in and out of your life as a on a professional and also a kind of more day-to-day basis as well and it's um yeah they're so important and I think when I came out of university I was really unaware of the whole um I didn't really kind of comprehend that my cohort was going to be people that I was going to continue to be in contact with for the rest of my practice and like Mm -hmm. that they're those (laughs) those relationships are so important and um yeah it's I, I wish I had known when I was younger just how important it is to nurture those relationships mm. because they're so beneficial and when you get so much from them, it's I feel like it's also important to be, you know, putting in the gratitude and the work to make sure that those are sustaining so relationships. Generous. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it is so um, important to not take those relationships for granted mm. and I think as I've gotten a bit older I've kind of reflected on you know when someone comes to me who's more junior who wants like something edited or a bit of advice I kind of think about um how important it is to be treated like not as a resource Mm. and to sort of see it as a more about an exchange rather than um using people just kind of instrumentalizing your relationships yeah um yeah so uh with your kind of integrated sort of law and arts practice, um, what does a successful practice mean to you? Well, for me, I think it would be, I would be happy with my practice if I was producing a little bit more writing because I think the ba- it's hard to strike the balance for me at the moment because um, a lot of my energy is going most of my kind of mental capacity is going towards my um, my full-time job, which I really enjoy and I'm passionate about and it's not like that's a, a negative thing, but I think it would be um, really wonderful to be able to find more time to nurture creative practice and writing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think generally speaking, being successful... Um, in a practice to me means being able to um, be happy with what you're producing and continue to evolve in some way um, 
yeah, that's, I think that would separate like a reasonable practice from a really like great one. And it doesn't really, I don't think it really matters what the external validation necessarily mm. is. Although I guess successful for most people would probably mean that maybe it's like financially viable or you're getting certain kinds of opportunities. But um, I think for me, it more is about being able to improve um, and continue to grow and, and I guess engage in a broader conversation around the arts and in a meaningful way um, rather than producing writing that is not necessarily taking things mm. further. Given that you do balance this these two um, practices, um, what does kind of you can give it in to us in a day, a week, a month or a year of your kind of both your law and your art writing practice look like and um, do you need to kind of really separate your time from both or do you allow yourself some time for your writing to sit on the side or does it happen um, more to a deadline? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so in terms of a week, I work full time and... Um, at the moment, the level of engagement required of my work is quite high because um, I'm managing a group of people and I also do research and uh, writing about sentencing and criminal law. So it's a kind of work that definitely re- takes a lot of mental stimulation. It isn't like I can go in, do my time and then walk away and mm. not think about it because... I definitely feel like for me writing, it's just like nothing else can, when I'm writing, nothing else, I can't really do anything else Mm -hmm. mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, So during the periods that I'm productively writing on a draft for work, not much happens in terms of my arts writing. But when there are times when I'm just editing something for work, I'm able to think about um, whether I want to review or write something or just work on a creative piece of writing and I guess I've kind of started writing about things beyond the art world as well Mm. um, because I've been doing my master's in law and so I've been doing a bit of academic writing um, and I've been trying to make some of that publishable elsewhere. Um, And another thing that I do that is related to my legal work is that I volunteer at a community legal centre, which I do fortnightly. And that's really, um, really enjoyable. And uh, yeah, it's something that I wouldn't want to give up. So I have these extra things that are related to law, where if I could give, if I cut back on some of that, maybe I'd have more time for art stuff. But I'm really passionate about Mm. social justice and being able to like, apply my skills practically to help people in a really direct and immediate sense is uh, really satisfying and mm. make, kind of makes me feel like, oh, all of that studying was really worth it. Now I can sit down and like help this person with something which is not um, not something that I get in my day-to-day job, which is really like kind of high-level research generally. Um, and it's also not something I've ever felt in the arts. Like you don't necessarily have that, see that direct outcome of, like you're writing, it just sort of goes into the ether and you don't really know mm-hmm. what it does. But, um, yeah, and so also uh, generally during the week I'll have some kind of um, 
engagement with Unprojects. There's a board member, although it's pretty, it's really like low key. Um, mm. But so that will kind of involve um, contributing to strategic planning and governance issues and um, just generally being a team member on the board, which has been really, really fun. Um, and it's been a way of me getting those connections back in the art world um, and being able to contribute other skills apart from arts writing, like um, policy development and mm. a little bit of legal skills, although Bill is there as a, a kind of real lawyer to be able to provide um, a lot of that support. So, yeah, that's um, that's pretty much like mm. what it looks like. But in yeah, over the next year, I think I'd like to once I finish my master's thesis, I'd like to be able to do some more substantial arts writing and, but it has to fit in around a full-time job. So, and that's hard because like there's other things in life that you want to do. So Absolutely. yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know how you have the time, honestly, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of is just like little snatches of time, like, um, yeah, evenings or just putting aside a bit of time on Saturday or if I have a kind of quiet day at work I can sort of do some background thinking or like mm. write some little notes in my email secretly that I can go back to <laughs> later um but yeah I don't I haven't really had much time to just go I'll spend like a whole week doing writing this yeah um so it's really been just about patching together parcels mm. of time mm. mm-hmm. and do you find um just on a very practical note do you do you find writing after you've already spent a full day working really challenging or do you find that Yeah, to be I mean, fine particularly or? when, because my work is basically writing as well, yeah. um, I find that really difficult to do. So, but with the cycle of the work that I do um, in legal policy, like we'll have a deadline to get a draft done of a report and then there might be like a period where I have to consult with different people, so present findings and and all of that's really tiring. But then there's kind of a few months where we might be like refining and editing. Um, and then at that point, my brain can kind of move into mm-hmm. a slower mm-hmm. gear mm-hmm. and then I'll have more space to be able to yeah. think about other stuff. So, yeah, while, when I'm writing during the day, there's just no hope of me being able to go home Mm -hmm. and write. But sometimes I have had a counterintuitive effect of like doing all of this technical legal writing. It's a really kind of formulaic and um, in some ways quite restrictive style of writing. And so that has been generative in that it makes me want to break free and like write something else or write in a totally different way or it kind of gives me ideas of... Mm. um, different things to think about so I guess suppressing creativity in some ways <laughs> can make you just be like oh I really need to just like yeah. write something yeah that isn't to mm. you know this house style or in this like legal mm. way mm-hmm. mm. um I had a question that was quite pointed as well about um if you could give if you could speak to artists or you know younger more emerging artists more generally about writing would you do you have any advice or you know kind of uh, ways that they can think about you know writing you know just just generally just about their work because mm. I think it is a challenging thing that For a lot artists. of artists yeah that come up against you know like 
you know, having having to use text to articulate something that they use, you know, yeah. they literally their practice is to articulate something and then using text to articulate their practice and can somewhat, sometimes be quite challenging when you're starting out. It certainly was yeah. for me. So if you, I don't know if you can. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think um, my advice would be to try and just make it, if, you, if you're not someone who articulates things in writing and that isn't kind of the way you're approaching your practice, I'd say keep it really simple because... I think sometimes trying to over-theorise can be a little bit off-putting or a bit too, sort of limit the reading of your artwork in some ways. Um, So I'd say trying to approach things really simply is is a good starting point. Um, And then, I mean, I'd also, depending on what the context is that you're writing for, I've had artists come to me and say, can you look over this like little blurb about my writing or can you write a couple of paragraphs mm. that would just be attributed to me but sort of not really like a catalogue essay but just getting some outside assistance because I think that sometimes it could I can imagine that it would be really hard to write about your artwork when you're so close to it mm. and so getting um someone outside to assist you with mm. maybe putting a draft together or looking over something might be useful Mm, yeah Uh, it's quite it's quite hard particularly I think um if you haven't been practicing for very long to write um like an artist statement yeah because you're just like so in I mean you're yeah you're just so in your own head that you can't like see what your actual practice is from yeah your own perspective yeah yeah I mean whenever I have to write something that I don't know how to begin I basically read other examples and try to get inspiration Mm. so I think if you yeah, start reading how other artists that you like um, articulate those ideas and not copying but just sort of getting some inspiration of how mm. to approach articulating whatever yeah. your practice is, that that could be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Tips. <laughs> yeah, I definitely remember my early years just like looking at everyone's artist statements and seeing like what bit do they put where and what kind of sentences and what kind of language and yeah and then just reading someone being like what the hell does that even mean (laughs) it doesn't say anything (laughs) and that can be good as well like sometimes artist statements that basically don't explain anything or that are really sort of poetic and um impenetrable like artists shouldn't necessarily have to yeah Yeah, show behind the curtain so that mm-hmm. I guess an artist statement can be another extension of the mm-hmm. artwork rather mm-hmm. than having to just mm-hmm. be like, guys, I'm going to level with you. Here's what I'm yeah. doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can maintain the mystique by, mm-hmm. yeah. I think yeah. It's sometimes it's like if it's uh, helping with a mystique, but there's a real um, kind of uh, solid foundation for that. And then sometimes it's uh, <laughs> the, the curtain, but there's nothing behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe expanding upon what you just said there with the advice for artists, um, maybe towards people who are thinking about um, going into arts writing, um, those who already work in the arts but might consider um, using writing as a tool to extend their practice. Do you have any advice um, for them about how to start up a writing practice? Mm-hmm. Um, my advice would be just start however you can but take every opportunity to get feedback and really listen to the feedback that you're getting and read as much as you can um 
And I guess the other thing, like the arts writing that I really like, it's not necessarily about what's said. Well, it's partly about that, but it's also about how the writing's constructed. And I think it's a real art to be able to make a reader feel like they're in safe hands because I feel like as soon as you, some writing, any writing, not even just arts writing, you can start reading it and just feel like the person's a little bit shaky and that immediately puts the reader in a a mode of being like, oh, this person isn't confident. So I think working both on your knowledge of art history but also, and contemporary art, but also on your ability to write um, and looking at that as a particular thing to continue to develop rather than just totally focusing on the substantive knowledge. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I'd say, it's probably a little bit sidestepping the question, but um, when I look back on how I started in arts writing and also like involvement in galleries and curating, some advice that I'd give to my younger self would be to um, negotiate boundaries in terms of like unpaid internships, particularly in the commercial art sector, I would do that really differently. I mean, that said, I got some really good experience, but I worked for free and I probably worked for free beyond the point that I was getting mm-hmm. more out of it than mm-hmm. the, the organisation was. And so, yeah, I just kind of think that um, it's important to be able to it's so hard when you're young and particularly when you're starting out and you don't know what you're doing and you need to get contacts. But I would definitely encourage people to be assertive in how they set those boundaries, um, particularly with writing where it can be like um, definitely an undervalued skill, but it's not one that everyone has. And I think it's important as a writer to think, well, this is a, it's a valuable skill and I should, as same as artists, like, you should be um, paid for your work and, um, yeah, just sort of being, having the confidence to be able to set Mm. those boundaries for yourself in a way that you feel comfortable with and don't feel like you're being taken advantage of. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's really great advice. If anyone is listening who wants to read any of your writing, where can we direct them to read some of your stuff? Um, I don't have a website. I think the best way is just to Google my name because yeah. I'm the only person who has my name. <laughs> so, yeah, there's stuff online. Yeah, great. Even when I was prepping for this, I was able to find lots of your articles as well. So Yeah, yeah it's all over the place. I should maybe yeah. pull it together at some point. Yeah, but, collect yeah. it. But, yeah. <laughs> so um, if you're listening, definitely go out and Google Anusha <laughs> Kenny and um, have a read because there's some – really insightful and beautiful pieces that you've written over the years so um and also as an artist I'd like to take the opportunity to say thank you for writing about the art scene that we are involved in because it is a symbiotic relationship that without the writing we also you know that also helps sustain our practices so um as an artist it's really important for me to be reading and so thank you for writing the work oh, pleasure you. thank you so much yeah, thanks, thanks so much for, for coming anusha thank you it's been really fun this episode is recorded on the sovereign land of the kulin nation 
We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people, and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. Thanks for listening to ProPrac. You can listen to other episodes and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can stay up to date with what we're up to on Instagram at ProPrac Podcast or send us an email at ProPracPod at gmail.com.